everybody you know what time it is you know what time it is you know what time it is it's real vile time that's right cats and kittens ladies and lady killers it's time to get down and get real vile uh oh but you know i am the g to the e to the r to the m the t stands for the but you already knew that we're about to rip it up in a modern way so it's gotta be mr germ t ripper and of course we can't go anywhere without the tower of the hour the princess of power miss killer kelly miller what's up killer kelly miller hey how are y'all hey how are y'all indeed and we've we've got to go with our leader of leaders uh the prime minister the sinister mr ruthless chris ruthless chris what's new and exciting in your world uh i'm glad that i don't have to confess as a trick baby trick baby what? absolutely <laughs> who in their right mind ever wants to confess as a trick baby and that leads us to our feature presentation for tonight we're going to be talking about 1999's directed by matthew bright cult favorite freeway Two: confessions of a trick baby man oh man oh man i can't wait to dig into this wild and wacky whimsical movie before we do hey what's everyone been up to killer kelly miller what you been up to in the past week or so? Oh, this week just went, went by quick, man. Not a whole lot, really. I just, I can't believe it's already, you know, th what, Thursday. <laughs> yeah. How are you? Yeah, doing? it's been about a week and a half since last time we've seen each other. Uh, Ruthless Chris, have you been up to anything in the past week and a half? I have been a complete hermit. I have not done shit. I have not gone out. Um, yeah. Same. Everything I've done has been around the house, mm -hmm. uh, spending some quality time with Miss Porkchop, my bulldog, and watching some some dumb movies, binging on some TV shows. Binging on TV shows and watching dumb movies sounds like a fantastic way to spend your time, especially if you're hanging out with your favorite doggo. Uh, me, myself, and I... I haven't been doing too much out of the ordinary. Uh, Saturday night, I was asked to give the lead at a meeting I'd never been at, but uh, I did 20 to 30 minutes of inspirational talking about, you know, recovery and uh, alcoholism and addiction. And boy, oh boy, was I glad I did. So many people came up to me afterwards letting me know that seeing my enthusiasm, seeing the joy that the program is bringing them has restored their own light into the program. So uh, I'm happy about that. I'm always happy to be of service. So, but you know, nothing too crazy. Just excited to keep on keeping on. Going to be going to a hockey game this weekend. I've never been to a hockey game, but it's a sober really? outing, so that's exciting. And then I might hit up Circle Six event in Chicago Friday, but I don't know yet. The Friday night is like a big meeting night for me. So yeah, we, uh, we got Circle Six out here on Sunday, so they they must be doing a doubler because uh, uh, Sunday they're here at Harpo's in Detroit. Well, on that note, why don't we get started and talk about some movies we've been watching. Uh, before we get to Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby, uh, hey, how about this? We never start with me. Why don't we start with me, Mr. Germ T. Ripper? Hell yeah. Oh, my goodness. Start gracious, off, Germ. Gravy. Yeah. 
I'm going to do that. And I'm going to start off by talking about another movie that came out around the same time period that is also very similar in tone, but uh, is a hell of a lot more queer. This is 1995's The Doom Generation, directed oh, yeah. by Gregor Recchi. Now, this movie is completely bonkers, but it brings to mind the 90s, like, <laughs> so hard. If you grew up in the 90s, if you were a teen in the 90s, or preteen even, and you uh, have any memory of what the music scene was like, the movie scene was like, the Doom Generation will bring you back like no other film. Mm -hmm. Now, if you haven't seen this movie, it's about Jordan White and Amy Blue, two troubled teens pick up an adolescent drifter, Xavier Red. Together, the threesome embark on sex and violence-filled journey through America of psychos and quickie marts. There's a lot of symbolism in this film that I don't necessarily get, and I, I still haven't. I've watched it several times throughout the years, ever since it first came out. And I was happy to pick up the collector's edition Blu-ray, or I should just say Blu-ray because there's no real extras on it, which is weird. But at the same time, it was nice to watch downstairs in my theater. Uh, and I, I believe this was the first time I'd seen James Duvall in a film, and perhaps even uh, Rose McGowan. I know that they've probably had films before that, but this is the first time I really saw them do their thing. There's so many wonderful cameos in this movie, too. You know, uh, Perry Farrell from Jane's Addictions in this. Uh, just uh, so many great cameos. It's so smart, so well done. And it's like, it speaks to a very punk rock aesthetic. Everything is hyper-violent. Everything is sort of super over-the-top. And I can't say that this would be for everybody, but I love this movie. It's so much fun. Uh, I really would like to be able to uh, just watch this over and over again. I mean, Heidi Fleiss is in this. If you remember Heidi Fleiss, she was like the Hollywood madam who, you know, pimped out, had uh, hookers for everybody. She has a cameo. Parker Posey has a cameo. Margaret Cho has a cameo. And there's so much over-the-top violence that doesn't even make sense. Like the uh, clerk in the quickie mark, I think he gets his head blown off, but instead of exploding, it just sort of... No, he doesn't get his head blown off. His wife cuts his head off, that's right. And then it lands on mm -hmm. like a pile of fruit, and it just keeps talking, and like vomits coming out for no apparent reason. It's so amazing. Uh, the And then the industrial uh, soundtrack... It's pretty wild because, you know, bands like Skinny Puppy, Nine Inch Nails, Ministry, you know, unless you were into underground music, you didn't know what any of those bands sounded like until you watched a movie like Doom Generation. Uh, and it's funny because Skinny Puppy is actually in this movie. They play the Gang of Goons. Uh, it's, it's just a wild, wild ride. And uh, you have to be able to enjoy irreverent absurdist cinema to really uh really take in this ride uh, now i can't say enough good things about it uh you guys i'm guessing both of you have seen the doom generation why don't you talk about it for a minute uh yeah um so it might be a little clear uh if you see the other movies in the series um this is like an unofficial trilogy he made I think it was called the end of the world trilogy or the doom trilogy or something. This was the middle film 
Uh, but it started with a living end, and then there was the Doom generation, and then there was Nowhere. Um, and once you see all three of those, some of the themes become a little clear. Uh, but yeah, this thing is like a complete slice of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very absurdist. Um, it's it's very sexual. Um, mm-hmm. Talk about cameos. One of the ones that they they tried to kind of cover up. But uh, the guy in the end uh, with the large shears uh, was one of the Brady children uh, from the Brady Bunch. Um, but yeah, uh, this one was a big one in my childhood. Uh, it's where I got my giant crush on Rose McGowan when I was younger. Had a big thing for her. Still do. Um, love it. Uh, th- this thing is four and a half or five all day. Love it. Can't recommend it enough. But yeah, definitely check out uh, the other ones he made. Uh, the Living End and Nowhere. Because um, it's part of like an unofficial trilogy. And they all kind of deal with similar themes that kind of all go together. Um, and then the- he went on to uh, direct a couple episodes of Dahmer, which I thought was interesting yeah Kelly, have you seen the the doom generation i have i've seen it quite a, quite a bit back in the day and i haven't really seen it since back in the day uh but yeah i, I do remember this a, quite well um i remember when i first seen it as you said it's not for everybody and i think it's because i didn't get it like i didn't i didn't like it that much at first it took me a couple times of watching it and it's really it's like the cinematography in this movie that's fucking fantastic like it's a really cool kind of like trippy aesthetic that's is like the 90s it's straight nostalgia from <laughs> from the 90s i might go back and watch this but i i'd give it a four i'd definitely give it a four very cool and i give it a five stars all the way the only place that i see that streaming is prime video you can uh, rent it for four seventy nine, or you can get the strand releasing prime video channel and it's streaming on there Otherwise, let's keep this train chugging down the tracks. Uh, Ruthless Chris, what have you got for us first, baby? Uh, The first one I'm going to talk about, I kind of watched on a whim, and it's because I was kind of going through um, some blogs and like new movies, and this one had a horrible name and a setup you saw a million times. What everyone kept saying was, it doesn't go where you think it's going to go, and it's trying to make you think that, and then there's a big flip in the middle. And uh, that that absolutely happened, and it made it a lot better viewing experience than I was uh, privy to. But um, this is Night Explorers: The Asylum uh, by John K. Webster, and you've you've seen this setup a million times. Uh, you got ghost hunters doing a ghost hunting TV show, going to the most haunted asylum, you know, in the world, at, and but they kind of subvert it quite a bit. Uh, this is a British film. So, yeah, it starts off as, like, you know, found footage, like you'd expect. And uh, um, then it, like, right after that intro, it, like, interrupts right into an actual movie. You know, like, it's it's just a movie from then on there out. And it does still have the same setup. Ghost hunters go to this asylum. Um, I don't know how much I want because, like, the fun of it is the flip. Um, it's not what you think it's going to be. And it ends up kind of going balls of the wall horror and bloody. Um, and it, it's not like a ghostly necessarily kind of thing. Like it is supernatural in a way, but I don't really want to ruin it. But uh, this was better than I thought it was going to be. It has a terrible name. Um, some of the acting's real bad. Some of it's really good. There's a guy in it that looks exactly like Edgar Wright that was really tripping me out. Um, but yeah, I I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but it's better than it had any right to be. Um. 
and I did enjoy myself with it. So I, you know, I give it like a two and a half. Just know what you're getting into. You know, I mean, the first half's going to be something you've seen a million times, and then the second half gets pretty fun, and it kind of is reminiscent of some like I can't say it because I'll ruin it. But yeah, um, yeah, go ahead and check it out. I watched it on Tubi, but it's on Freebie and Plex and all the. You know, anything that's on the ones on like five others. So, yeah, that's Night Explorers the Asylum. I was going to bother to look it up to see if I'd watched it, but Night Explorers the Asylum, I'm guessing I didn't watch. It doesn't sound familiar at all. But it's then like again, brand new. it's brand new. Like new, new. Like when I watched it, um, aside from here on the blog, sometimes I'll look it up on Letterboxd or IMDb beforehand. They had zero reviews on Letterboxd and they had hmm. two on IMDb. And both Weird. of them were like a lot better than I thought it'd be crazy flip in the middle. It changes the whole movie. So Very I was like, cool. I want to see what this flip is. Fuck it. And, you know, I put it on and I kind of was like, yeah, you know, I mean, we'll, we'll see if this is even one I'm going to talk about. Sometimes I'll just put some shit on my full laundry or whatnot. And I, mm -hmm. I kind of got sucked into it, enjoyed it. So it's not a great movie. It's not like something to go out and see. But it, if you're curious, check it out. It's not bad at all. Fair enough. You said two and a half? Two and a half. Yeah. It's a good middle ground movie. And that's because of the second half. The first half is a slog. Kelly, have you heard of this or seen it? What is this called again? Night Explorers colon. The Sorry, Asylum. I had technical difficulties. I didn't catch the name. Night Explorers. No, I don't believe I have. Yeah, it's like brand Brandon. No, it's fair enough. Like I, like I just asked him to repeat the name and I still couldn't remember what it was. Mm -hmm. Night Explorers the Asylum. All right. And you said two and a half stars. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Well, well, let's keep that train of chugging along on the terror tracks. And Killer Kelly, what you got for us, baby? Um, we're gonna keep it along with the two and a half uh, movies. <laughs> this one is a also a brand new movie. This is a Tubi original. This is called Guess Who. Um, I don't know. I thought the concept could have been good. It follows a girl and her boyfriend, Michael. They travel back to his old neighborhood and his family's community for the holidays. Um, they make it pretty, pretty, um, obvious right, right out of the rip, off the, I can't talk, right off the rip that, um, she's very wealthy and he is not. And that comes into play later in the movie for sure. Um, his family and community, the little, the area that they're from, it is. It's a, it's a poorer community. They all take part for the holidays in this um, tradition called the mummering, where they dress up in masks and costumes, and like there's a big party throughout the neighborhood. But there, you can go into people's house, and you got to tell them a riddle, and they got to guess who you are. You know, so like easily, it's like set up for, you know, there's there could be some shit that goes down, like. I feel like this could have been better with that whole concept that they had going on there. Like that could have been better. There is a, like, of course there's a killer going around. So that's the, that's the uh, idea. But then they bring that whole idea that like the girl and her boyfriend, I don't want to tell you too much, but like her being a rich girl and like, there's a whole backstory and another like twist that's going to come out later dealing with that. It was all right. I, like I said, I feel like they could have did a little more with this concept of the mummering because that's that's kind of a cool idea. It's just they, they kind of went leaned into this other storyline a little more. And I feel like they lost it towards the end. You know, yeah. two and a half, two and a half. This also starred uh, two people from that from series. I noticed 
Yeah, yeah, good series. Yeah, uh, like Donna, the the lady, and um, Donna, the lady that runs like the commune house, and then uh, um, the one cop's son that marries the girl. He's in it too. Yeah, this could have been better. The concept could have been better. It just didn't hit the mark at all for me. I thought it was just meh. Two and a what half. was this one called again? Guess who? Guess who? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the premise sounded very similar, uh, very familiar, but I, I don't believe I've seen this one. Did this come out recently? Yeah, 2024. It's a brand new Tubi original. So Another brand new film to check out if you want to check it out. Two and a half stars on Tubi. And uh, it does sound like a, kind of an original idea, but uh, you know, yeah. if you're two and a half stars, Tubi, can't miss it. You know, it's free. It it's is free. free. It Tubi. is free. And it's not awful. I just think it, I don't know. They lost it. They they lost the concepts. It it could have been better than what it was. I've noticed that like those Tubi originals, mm-hmm. they're a lot, they're, their hit and miss ratio is yeah. like like 10% hit, <laughs> 90% yeah. miss. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I have a tendency to kind of really avoid them. They seem like the kind of movies that everyone else passed on. They're like, yeah, I'll give you two dollars for it. <laughs> Honestly, I don't think I even chose this one because you know how Tubi just plays like the next in queue. I think yeah. I was just laying in bed watching something and it came on, and I was like, ah, "All right, let's see what this one's about." <laughs> you know? So I watched it. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but hey, let's keep this terror train chugging along so that you know we can talk about we can talk about Freeway Two. Confessions of a Trick Baby, and I'm going to talk about another movie that I watched. This one is 2019's sort of sci-fi, sort of thriller, sort of horror mystery drama. It is a British movie called Little Joe. Well, I was looking for movies that I hadn't seen yet, and also February is Women in Horror horror Month. I figured, why not watch a movie that is written and directed by a woman? Uh, This is directed by Jessica Hausner, and it is about Alice, a single mother, is dedicated senior plant breeder at a corporation engaged in developing new species. Against company policy, policy, she takes home one of these plants as a gift for her son and names it after him and soon starts fearing for it. Why? Because these plants are being developed to change people's moods, to make them happy. And it's it's very... um, it almost has a. Uh, you remember that movie, uh, The Girl with All the Gifts, and yeah. where yes, it was like spores, spores that were taking over people's brains and turning them into zombies. This could almost be like a prequel to that because these flowers are being uh, manufactured, being bred to change people's brains. But since they can't reproduce on their own. Their spores are being spread and uh, through pollination and into people, and they're taking over people's brains to try and breed that way. And it's it's very interesting because it creates like a hive mind. So a lot of times while I was watching it, it kind of gave me a um, invasion of the body snatchers feel. It gave me a lot of vibes of f- films of that sort. And I, I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I gave Little Joe four stars. I thought it was really nice, uh, really thought-provoking, and you know, a, a good uh, statement on 
uh, sort of like big pharma and how we're trying to manufacture emotions right now. But yeah, I gave it four stars. It's streaming on Prime Video, Roku, and Tubi. Uh, have you guys seen this movie, Little Joe? No, no, I don't believe I have. Uh, I've been hovering around this one for a while. I saw a trailer and I really liked what I saw. Um, I've almost pressed play like a dozen times, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. I am very curious. Uh, probably will now that you've given it a glowing review. So definitely, definitely wanted to check it out. It looked really in interesting. Very, very cool. Well, we let's keep let's keep going. What you got for a second round movie, Ruthless Chris? Uh, I'm not going to talk about a movie on this one. I'm going to watch talk about a series I've been watching mm -hmm. uh, that I've really been enjoying. I know both of you have been watching it too. Um, the new the new um, season of True Detective Night Count Night Country uh, with Jodie Foster and Callie uh, Rias. Um, this one, I you know, I've always really, except for season two, enjoyed the True Detective uh, series. I think True Detective season one is one of the most perfect series or seasons of television ever made yeah um two i did not like at all three i thought was good uh but this one i really am getting into um there's only one episode left it's only six episodes uh as of this record um the last one comes out on sunday it's thursday um little look and see or interested to see how they wrap this thing up because uh the the way that the the last episode left it um I'm not really sure how they're going to wrap it up, but it's it's leaning a lot more towards cosmic horror. Um, you got it's reminiscent uh, stuff like the thing, um, stuff like that. Uh, what I really enjoy about it is it it really does a good job of kind of transporting you to this like different world, you know, like amongst the this Alaskan town. You know, it it's definitely feels very isolated. The fact that it's all at night gives it like a almost a um, off kilter feel because it feels like you have trouble telling how much time is passing um because everything's at night you know even if it's a daytime scene they'll, they'll be like yeah we're at lunch and like you'll you'll see it's dark in the background because they're in that 30 days of night period you get in alaska um yeah i i really enjoy where this is going there's some really strong performance in this thing like this thing's firing in all cylinders and i really like mm -hmm. how they're um bringing in a lot of the um uh inuit um culture into it you know like the 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 tribes uh culture and stuff into that and um you know the the it's 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 really really hold my attention i blazed through all five episodes that were available in a day on my day off when i was doing a bunch of stuff around like i said i've been a hermit uh this this last week um but yeah i really i'm really excited to see where this is going um i can't really give it a star rating um yet because i i want to see how it wraps up but i mean as of right now it's it's every bit as good as true detective should be and i really like that they went horror with this one you know i mean the other season like first season definitely horror mm -hmm. but it was it's more you know a serial killer detective procedural and you know you got a detective procedural in this but i mean right from the first scene you know that something otherworldly is going on um so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where this thing is going. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, horror fans, definitely check out the new season of True Detective. It is horror. Um, it is a detective procedural, but in a horror world. So mm -hmm. yeah, uh, definitely recommend True Detective season four, Night Country. I've been thoroughly enjoying uh, season four as well, mm -hmm. and I think for the same reasons is that once they introduced 
the idea of ghosts and otherworldly beings and also like other dimensions into the uh, series, it really sort of brought it to another level as a horror fan. But then there was one scene that really made me pop. It's the the ghost that leads uh, them originally to the bodies. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Is the father of one of the detectives in season one. So it is, there's a link between season four and season one, which I love it when they do that because, you know, none of the stories really have anything to do with each other. It's an anthology series in that aspect. But uh, yeah, there, I remember like a bigger connection was that Travis Cole, whose ghost guides Rose Agnew, who's Fiona Shaw, to the corpsicle of dead scientists is actually Rust Cole's father. So wow. that's an interesting link between the two series. And it also gives you another dynamic of why Rust is so screwed up. You know, he's the, the guy with the mustache and the ponytail in season mm-hmm. one. Shit. Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey, yes. I didn't pick up on that detail. Oh, um, shit. That makes it even... Fuck, that even gives it another dimension for it. Yeah. Yeah. So like once once I saw that posted on Twitter, I was like, okay, yeah, I love it when they do that type of thing. Like in American Horror Story, at least for the first few seasons, they'd have like a little bit of sinewy tissue that would lead you from season one to season four mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. season three to season two. You know, it was great. So uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of this. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it a star rating. I'm going to say four and a half stars and definitely worth the watch, especially for horror fans and especially for fans of True Detective Season 1. Uh, Killer Kelly, have you been watching uh, True yeah. Detective Season 4? Yes, I've, I've I've totally been getting into this. Um, I didn't... I, I watched Season 1. I vaguely remember Season 2. I don't think I finished it. I don't think it connected for me as well. And I did not watch Season 3. But I am super getting into this one. I really like the... Uh, the Arctic indigenous culture that they're bringing into the whole thing. I think that's interesting as well as the supernatural aspect, as you guys have already mentioned. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying this. I'm not as far along as you guys are. I think I, I, um, two more episodes and then I'm caught up, which I'll probably go do as soon as we're done recording tonight. (laughs) But, um, yeah, man, I'm excited to see where this leads. I'm excited for more. And I think when it's done, I'm going to go back and watch season three. Very, very cool. And on that note, Killer Kelly, oh, what you got for ne- us next, baby? Uh, this one, this one was pretty decent one. Um, this is Aaron's Blood. It's 2016. It's on Amazon Prime. It's kind of like a, I mean, it's a vampire story. Um, it follows this boy Tate. He's a hemophiliac. He's bullied at school, and uh, he ends up breaking his nose, getting into an accident, and it's some serious shit into the hospital. And, you know, he needs a blood transfusion. Soon after his blood transfusion, you can tell that, you know, like, some shit's different. Like, the kid's healing faster. He's, like, burning in the sunlight. He's a fucking vampire. You know, like, right off the rip, this kid's a vampire. And uh, now Dad's, like, on on this mission to... Uh, try to figure out how it happened, try to uh, see what he can do to reverse it, you know, try to keep his kid fed without getting eaten himself. I I enjoyed this movie quite a bit. I gave it a three and a half. I think the acting in it was really good. The special effects, 
I mean, you could tell it was a lower budget movie and it did good for what it was. Yeah, three and a half. I think it's worth a watch. It's not like an in-your-face like horror movie. Like, even though it deals with like the vampire aspect, it's not something I'd say that's scary or whatever. It's it's more about like the relationship between the father trying to save his son than like, you know, scary monster. You know? But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this one. Three and a half. And you said it's streaming on uh, Amazon Prime? Yes. Yeah, I I watched Aaron's Blood um, when I was writing for Daily Grindhouse. I got a screener for it. Mm -hmm. And if I remember correctly, I thought that it was really smart. And I thought that it was a yeah. really unique take on uh, vampire mythos. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really, I if I remember correctly, I really enjoyed it at the time. So I'm going to go ahead and give it three stars. Uh, definitely worth a watch, especially mm -hmm. if you've got Amazon Prime, get nothing to lose. Especially if you like vampire movies and you want to mm -hmm. see something original, something different, uh, something a little bit more pro thought-provoking. And it is a micro-budget independent film, so you got to give it a little leeway, too. Uh, but yeah, three stars from me. Chris, have you seen Aaron's Blood? I've never even heard of this. Pretty good. So no. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, that's a big no from our league. Big no, no. <laughs> and we're going to keep this train chugging along so that we can get to Freeway to Confessions of a Trick Baby. And I'm going to talk about one last film. And this one is going to be 2020's She Dies Tomorrow. Uh, this was another uh, female directed movie. I was trying to stick on uh, a theme of uh, female directors female filmmakers and horror and this one is about a woman becomes strangely convinced that she will die the next day her friend initially disbelieves her before becoming paranoid herself and that she too will die the next day uh this was a definitely a strange movie and definitely more along the lines of an art house film that you might see uh in like an independent theater but it was extremely well done and very smart uh, anybody that is familiar with like trauma, anybody who's uh, done any sort of work with mental health or in mental health like therapy themselves, go to therapy, you'll know that if you are there for somebody else, then there is times when you take on their take on their burden. And that's what I feel like this movie was getting at. It's just like shared trauma. And, you know, first you have uh, a woman who's extremely depressed and she's always talking about how she's going to kill herself. And then sh her sister comes over to help her. Well, then she says that she's going to die the next day enough that now her sister believes that she's going to die the next day. And her sister goes over to a party and then everybody at the party suddenly feels like they're going to die the next day. And then they go out. It's like a virus that's spreading through society at this point. And I was just like, wow. You know, it was really thought-provoking and really smart and beautifully shot. It was, you know, at times it seemed very slick and polished. But then other times it gave that feeling of classic sort of Italian cinema, that giallo sort of, you know, the saturated blues, the saturated reds. It was, you know, it had those trippy moments. And I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, let me see real quick what kind of star rating I gave it, just to make sure. Um, I gave She Dies Tomorrow four stars. And it's definitely worth a watch. 
it is streaming. Uh, I, I thought that I watched it on Prime Video, uh, but if if it's streaming somewhere else, I'm sure you can watch this other places. But it's a drama fantasy horror, and it's definitely worth a watch. Four stars for She Dies Tomorrow. Have you guys seen She Dies Tomorrow? I have not, but I have been eyeballing this one. Like, I, I watched the trailer. I've definitely been eyeballing this one. Now I definitely will watch it after hearing your review of it. I haven't seen this one. I've watched her previous movies, Some Don't Shine. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. That was also a trippy art house film. Uh, I've been meaning to get around to this. Uh, I really like what you've been talking about. I think that's an yeah. interesting concept, so I'll definitely give it a shot. Um, and instantly enough, she's she's more of an actress than she is a writer director. Like she's been in a shit ton of like big Hollywood movies too. So it's really cool when someone that's like in that kind of position is like, well, I'm going to make something that's kind of for me, you know. So I'm curious. I, I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing it. Very cool. Well, like I said, definitely worth the watch. If you're into more psychological horror, uh, She Dies Tomorrow, uh, 2020. Do it. Check it out. Four stars. Ruthless Chris, one more time before we get to our feature presentation. Uh, so this one I watched because uh, I knew it was going to be trash and I was in the mood for some trash. Um, this is Criminally Insane, a.k.a. Big Fat Ethel. From 1975 by Nick Millard. Um, this is barely a movie because it's only an hour and one minutes long. Um, it's it's a really pretty simple concept. You have a very um, very large woman who gets released from a mental institution to her family or to her mother to go live with her mother, and her mother wants her to lose weight, so she keeps locking up the fridge. So Ethel decides I'm going to murder this bitch so I can have all my food. <laughs> And then it just kind of turns into a loop of that. Like anyone that gets in Ethel's way of her food, she murders. Um, it's it's funny, it's bloody, it's short, and it's trashy as fuck. Um, there's a sequel, which I plan on watching soon. And then there's a third one that they just made like a few years ago that uh, I want to see too. But uh, you can watch this thing on Plex. Or it's free on YouTube. Um, this is just one of those ones. This is kind of like a dumb product. It's time. It doesn't need a budget. It's pretty bloody. I mean, it's just a big fat bitch with a with a cleaver running around cleaving things. Um, yeah, big fat Ethel, criminally insane. Um, I loved every minute of it. I like this is like my dog shit. Uh, uh, kind of up my alley kind of thing. I gave it four stars, but that's a four stars knowing that that's like a trash four stars. Like. <laughs> like it is it's a bad movie, but fuck if it's not entertaining. So yeah, that's criminally insane. AKA crazy fat Ethel. Fair enough. Uh Killer Kelly, have you seen Crazy Fat Ethel? I have not, but Chris has been talking about it quite a bit so, for the past week or so. <laughs> kind of feel like I have. <laughs> have I? <laughs> a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Strangely enough, I don't believe I've seen Crazy Fat Ethel, and this seems like something I would thoroughly enjoy. And at 61 minutes, that sounds like, you know, there's no reason not to, to enjoy this film about a over oversized, uh, overweight serial killer with a meat cleaver 
hacking people up so she can eat more food. That sounds amazing. At 61 minutes. I got I've got to check out Crazy Fat Ethel. But in the meantime, before we get to our feature presentation of Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby, Killer Kelly Miller, what you got for us baby one more time? Uh, this one wasn't wasn't good, man. I tried. I tried to, you know. Uh this is 2023's Unseen. It is starring RJ Might. He he was Walter Jr. in Breaking Bad. You know, uh Walt's son. He's he's uh he's a lawyer in this movie or he's going to law school and his dad's like a big time lawyer in, in the town and shit. And like he's coming to his school to do these guest speakings and you know, his dad's a huge dick. You know that right off the rip. So rather than getting a job at his dad's law firm, he gets a job at another law firm. In the meantime, he's getting these like real weird visions of like shit from his past, you think? And there's also like some serial killings going on in the town. Um, I think this movie tried to do too much. Honestly, it, it tried to go with this murder route. It tried to go with this fucking supernatural. And in the end, it just kind of got like, I don't know, convoluted and confusing. You know, it's just like it lost me by the end of it. I, I got to give it a two. I think this is the director's Vincent Shade. I believe this was his like first movie. And it made it had some decent concepts, perhaps, but the execution wasn't there. I don't think the performances were the greatest. Everything was just mediocre to me, really. Hmm. Well, uh, that doesn't sound like anything I want to check out. No. But with your two stars. And uh, where did you say it's streaming? Oh, what was this? Was this Prime? Either Prime or Tubi. Oh. Uh, uh, Prime. It's on Prime. Prime. Prime? Okay. Well, Prime. I mean, if what if what Kelly's been talking about sounds like your cup of tea, then you should check out this movie. Uh, Ruthless Chris, have you seen this one? Uh, no, but I do want to point out a movie with the same title came out uh, that that Thank same you. year. There's the Unseen, which she's talking about, and then Unseen, and I have seen Unseen, and that that's a good right. movie. Yeah, that one was alright. So, I have seen the other one too. So watch. On scene, don't watch the on scene. Yes, that sounds confusing. <laughs> yeah, unseen, the unseen, uh, and I remember that the unseen, the punk band, got their name from a old horror movie called The Unseen. So there are multiple movies, multiple horror esque movies called Unseen or The Unseen. Just don't get confused about which one you're watching. <laughs> But with that being said, holy guacamole, toot toot, we're pulling into Spoiler Town with our feature presentation of 1999's Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby. And now for our feature presentation. Holy guacamole, this is a movie and a half. This is so much fun. Matthew Bright brought it and he brought it hard. Now, this movie is about a teenage prostitute escapes from a juvenile prison with 16-year-old serial killer and both go on a destructive road trip to Mexico in this twist on Hansel and Gretel's fairy tale. Uh, I remember seeing the cover art to this when it originally came out, and I had no interest in seeing it. it the original cover art looks boring. It looks silly. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look interesting at all. It wasn't until recently when Vinegar Syndrome first put out 
the first Freeway movie, which, by way, I'm going to put it out right now, Freeway 1 and Freeway 2 have nothing to do with each other, and it's by the same director, which I think is great, because that's it reminds me of like a lot of Italian movies mm-hmm. where they'll make movies with you know, sequel titles and they have nothing to do with each other, except the tone is very similar, which I really appreciate. Um, but the cast in this, Natasha Leone, David Allen Greer, I was like, David Allen Greer is in this. Vincent Gallo, even though his name is on the original cover art and everything, I didn't realize until just now that that was him playing playing the transvestite, uh, child porn making serial killer, whatever the whatever whatever he's supposed to be. Sister, whatever. Yes, yeah, Sister Gomez. Sister Gomez. Uh, that was it. Yeah. This is another one similar to the Doom Generation that is kind mm-hmm. of a, not mm-hmm. as much so, but is very indicative of the times that it came out in. It reminds me of Natural Born Killers. It reminds me of Pulp Fiction. It reminds me of True Romance. Just that hyper-violence, that over-the-top, ridiculous ideas. Just throw everything at the screen and see what sticks. Uh, I was thoroughly impressed with this movie. This is a cult movie that I hadn't really heard of until the last few months. And I'm glad I'm glad I did. I'm glad we checked it out. What did you guys think about Freeway 2, Confessions of a Trick Baby? Well, um, I was a big fan of Freeway One growing up. I got a VHS of it when I was in high school, and I always thought it was like an underwatched gem. Um, I do think that this is really cool. That like the only thing that ties it together is it's like the the writer director's take on a a classic, uh, you know, fairy tale. You know, the first one was Little Red Riding Hood, mm-hmm. uh, where where um, Kiefer Sutherland played you know the big bad wolf and Reese Witherspoon. You know, it was Little Red Riding Hood, but, you know, a very gritty, bloody take on that. And uh, this one, you know, like, it's 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 a companion piece in that, in that style of thing because, you know, it, it does have a lot of similar markings. But this one I thought was a lot sillier, even though the subject matter probably is much darker, mm-hmm. especially towards the end. Um, the, you know, the the cast was unbelievably great for this you know like a lot of the cameos like like john landis was the judge like what the fuck (laughs) like how did they land that um the thing that bothered me the most about this movie though is the soundtrack did not make sense for the movie like i think they if they would have had like a little bit more of a like i if i'm remembering correctly danny elfman did the first one and this one like like something really dark and heavy would be going on and there'd be like like a Lilith Fair guitar song, you know, like going on. Yeah. Um but yeah, this is like this is kind of like a part road movie, you know, like almost like a Thelma and Louise or something like that or like Badlands. Um but then it kind of like when they get to Mexico and Tijuana, it gets really heavy and dark, mm-hmm. but it still has this light soundtrack. Um David Allen Greer, it's always awesome to see him. You know, I grew up a big fan of uh, In Living Color. So, you know, like, I've always been a big fan of that guy. Um, yeah, this this movie, it's a product of his time. You know, like, they don't make movies like this anymore. And it's, 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 doesn't, it doesn't have a problem taking big, bold swings. Um, especially with how dark the subject matter gets towards the end with the fucking, 
not only the child porn, but also like, you know, like it unfolds at like they were also eating the children, like chopping mm -hmm. them up, eating them. Um, I thought the um, serial killer sidekick was like really fleshed out, uh, like psychologically and like like why she was the way she was like so murderous and like fucking unhinged and violent. Um, yeah, this, this thing was, this, this, this is a fun one. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure confessions of a trick baby is a great <laughs> on that. Cause nothing's being confessed and they only talk about her being a prostitute. Um, the only, like when she goes back to prostitution, the end, she's doing more of an Arlene Warnos where she's like not sleeping with them. She's just murdering them and taking their money. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I fucking confess freeway Two confessions of a trick baby was, was a lot of fun for such a dark and heavy fucking movie. Yeah. You know, I don't think, um, if this came, I don't think this would fly if it came out right now, by the way, it was like such a dark and heavy subject matter, but they still kept it lighthearted and kind of fun and funny. And like, even after she fucking murdered those old people and was like using a vibrator in bed next to him, it was still kind of like, <laughs> it was like a plug in gasoline powered yeah. fucking vibrator from like the forties or yeah. something. Like yeah. It had like, like a wrist mount. <laughs> how you how you take that subject matter and still keep it lighthearted and like I don't I, when when you suggested this movie, you're like, this is a Kelly movie all day. And yeah, you're fucking right. Like, I think this might be one of my favorite chick flicks. I will consider this one a chick flick. This might be one of my favorite chick flicks ever. This and Death Proof. <laughs> but um yeah, yeah I've been, man. I've been I, trying I, to talk you into watching this one for years. Uh huh. Uh huh. The first one's fucking phenomenal too. Actually, I the first one is a better movie. The first like, one is like the better movie. Movie, uh, movie wise, it feels like an actual movie. Where this one just kind of feels like, fuck it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, and Natasha Leone. Table. With, let's get fucking as silly as possible. You know. Right. Yeah, man. This one got real fucking dark at times, and maybe it was the soundtrack that helped keep it so like the goofy soundtrack, keeping it lighthearted. Well, <laughs> even at the end where she's just in tears and she's got to kill, like you know, the the girl she's been with the entire time, who, who she eventually turns into yeah. a lover with, and all that. Like she's crying and she blows her head off and all this shit. But the background music's like, da, 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 you know, yeah. it's like. It's like Gilmore Girls or some shit. She just jumps into her lawyer's arms and it's like a happy ending. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> the lawyer who's getting the handy at the fucking um, yeah. at the courthouse and doesn't stop when he's being talked to by the police. <laughs> yeah, this dude. is a this is a very wacky film. This is kind of whimsical in that it is based off a of Hansel and Gretel. You see a part where she's leaving. Uh, a trail of crack cocaine yeah. to try and find their way back. I don't. I'm not sure what they were trying to find their way back from, but they had a huge uh, bag full of crack cocaine that they stole from a train jumping hobo <laughs> that was trying to rape them. And uh, yeah, the, it, I mean, every angle of this movie is completely bonkers. You can't explain part of it without being like, "Yeah, I sound insane talking <laughs> about this movie," you know, because the uh, beginning. Reminded me of Reform School Girls, I believe that's the correct name of it, with Wendy O. Williams. And it goes from that to just sort of like a, a bonkers slasher movie. And then they go from that to like this Mexican child slave labor uh, so porn ring <laughs> that's supposed to be like mystical sex cult. Now, if you are 
it's funny that you mention Danny Elfman because the uh, director, Matthew Bright, is actually really good friends with Danny Elfman. That's why uh, they got him for the second one. That's why. He, yeah, that's why he did the soundtrack for the first uh, movie with, for the first freeway. And uh, they've been friends for since high school. And they uh, actually worked together originally in 1980 on another completely bonkers film, Forbidden Zone. If you've seen oh, Forbidden Zone, oh, yes. 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 I own a copy. One, yeah. yeah, the director of this wrote Forbidden Zone and uh, Danny Elfman's that brother. That makes a lot of sense. That does yeah, make sense. Danny Elfman's brother uh, directed Forbidden Zone and Danny Elfman stars and does the music for Forbidden Zone. So... Uh, yeah, this is one of those ones where once you know, once you see all the connective tissue between the people involved, it makes more sense. And also, when you when you were talking about the soundtrack, I looked up the soundtrack of it, and uh, Juliana Hatfield. If you remember Juliana Hatfield in the '90s, she was one of those Lilith Ferris sort of alt rock uh, musicians, singer songwriters. She did a couple of songs on the soundtrack to this. Also, there was a song by Veruca Salt, which oh, was another very 90s, very female-centric uh, rock bands from that era. Uh, so maybe uh, maybe they were trying to go with a Lilith Fairif type thing because, I mean, they could have gotten some some bands that were much harder. They could have gotten L7. They could have gotten Luna Chicks. Who knows what this guy was thinking? Because once you realize that Matthew Bright, writer, director, actor, filmmaker... Uh, also wrote Forbidden Zone, then you know what you're dealing with here. Uh, and now I'm actually interested. I never had any interest in seeing this movie, but he also was the filmmaker behind the straight-to-video uh, biopic of serial killer Ted Bundy that came out in 2002. Ooh, I've seen it. Was it good? Uh, out of all those, like that was like a series they did. Like there was one for Bundy, there was one for Speck, there was one for Dahmer. Where um, what's his fuck? Someone really that ended Jeremy, up going to be Jeremy, Jeremy Gainer. Yeah, ended up uh, this one. That one was one of the better ones. Um, uh, they had one for Gacy, where like the the bully from Pee Wee Herman played Gacy. Um, they, I remember they were just pumping them out. Like one would come out month after month, and uh, I have it somewhere. I remember that was one of the better ones. But yeah, now th now that I know that, I'm actually really interested in checking it out. I'm sure it's got to be streaming somewhere for free. But this uh, Freeway Two Confessions of a Trick Baby uh, coming out in 1999. This is definitely one of those films that's similar to Doom Generation and similar to. Uh, you know, natural born killers or pulp fiction or any of those cult movies that came out in the nineties. I don't think you would see a movie like this getting stars as big as David Allen Greer, as big as, you know, as they had. And you probably wouldn't see it get any sort of wide release. I remember this was in all the video stores. I passed by it a million times. Uh, thank goodness for vin vinegar syndrome, putting this back into the mainstream because it's fun it's wacky it's crazy it's just a bonkers movie that i think any genre film fan or any fan of campy over the top uh sleazy films is going to enjoy you know if you are a fan of john waters films you'll definitely like this movie and i thought another uh interesting fact is that uh, there's a scene 
where even though that freeway one and freeway two have nothing to do with each other, there's a scene where freeway one is playing on the television in the background. So oh, there are those really, those little quick connective tissues too. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool. I, I, I need I, to, I need to chime in here real quick. Cause I just found something that just kind of blew my mind. Um, this guy directed one of the most bat shitly bad movies. Like one of my, like, like on the level of the room type of bat shit that like, I just can't get enough of. It is so horribly bad called tiptoes. Um, if you're unfamiliar with tiptoes, it's a Matthew McConaughey movie where, um, he is going to marry a woman and he's afraid to tell him that everyone in his family are midgets and she's afraid their baby's going to be a midget. Gary Oldman plays a midget, uh, but they all do it dwarf style. It is absurdly offensive, unbelievably offensive and batshit nuts. I have showed that movie to so many fucking people. I'm surprised I haven't shown it to you, Kelly. Yeah, um, dude. What? <laughs> it, it is a fucked movie. Like when so I looked up like all the movies he made, there was like two freeway movies and then Tiptoes and the Ted Bundy movie. Tiptoes. Just look at clips of this fucking thing. Like this this is up there with the uh Rosie O'Donnell movie. I keep showing people that uh where she plays a handicapped woman that won't get off the bus. <laughs> <laughs> What the fuck? How have I not heard of either of these? <laughs> I watch a lot of trash, Kelly. I may not have gotten know, around Chris. with you. But it just kind of, like, I came across it. I had to throw that out there. Tiptoes is one of the most batshit fucking movies. And they tried to make it, like, big budget and put this thing in theaters. And everyone that saw it was like, no. Fuck no. <laughs> like, it's, like, notorious for being one of those movies that where you put it in, people are just like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> So it blew my that's probably what killed his career, honestly. It was tiptoes. Well, looking at the cover art for tiptoes, it doesn't look like anything that I would have watched when it came out. And it doesn't look like anything clips. that I would enjoy watching, except now that you've given me the description of it and I've looked at the cast and I'm more familiar with the director's work. I definitely want to watch this. Uh tiptoes looks like you can rent it for $3.99 off of Amazon, um, yeah, Amazon Prime Video. But other than that, it's not streaming anywhere. So that is wild. But uh, yeah, I give uh, Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby three and a half stars. And uh, yeah, I can't, I think it's streaming pretty much everywhere. I would highly yeah. recommend watching this for any friend, yeah. any fan of weirdo cinema, sleazy cinema, cult films. Uh, Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby. Baby, 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 baby. Yeah, we should say it's not a horror movie. It does have some horror elements as far as serial killing and all that shit. But yeah, I give it four. I give it four. I, I would say the last half could have been a horror movie with a different soundtrack. <laughs> if they would have given it some like moodiness and all that. I mean, Vincent Gallo turns into a fucking witch as they're sticking him in the fucking oven. Basically, yeah. Not baby. He turns into like the Wicked Witch of the West. That's they true. do the, the whole fucking makeup and, and the nose and yeah, he like morphs as they're sticking him in the oven. That comically gigantic oven in the middle of the wall. <laughs> you know, they got to stick with the Hansel and Gretel thing. But yeah, I give it three and a half stars. Uh, Kelly gives it four. How many stars do you give uh, Freeway 2 Confessions of a Trick Baby? Three and a half. Three and a half, four. And it's definitely a fun movie if your idea of fun uh, involves uh, profanity, drugs, alcohol, uh, slashers. Uh, blood, spray gore. Paint. It's dark. 
it's real dark huffing spray paint <laughs> huffing spray paint yeah it, it's disturbing in the best sort of way and uh highly recommended from the folks here at real vile oh uh, on that note we're gonna have to bid you adieu and we will see you next week uh you guys got any final words for the folks out there in real vile land you know, get off the streets. You don't want to be confessing as a trick, baby. You know, it never ends well <laughs> unless you know how to make deals that they don't show on camera with Mexican police that get you out of things so you can go bang your lawyer. What he said, man. See y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And on that note, I'm going to say keep it sleazy, keep it creepy, and keep it real vile forever. God bless America and send nudes. Woo!